theyeshiva.net. So we'll continue inside. Dafyu Aleph, the first column, page 21. Reaching uh, close to the end of the Noyach Maimer. You see column one, Yudalef from Adalef, the line starts, Havaya Echod, Vihinei Atayla. Following the explanation why by Tiferes there is something unique, namely that the Keli is also Yudkevavke, <coughs> not only the Oyr is Yudkevavke, in other words the Keli and the Oyr really merge into a seamless whole. Because the definition of the keli by Tiferes is one that reflects the oir, whereby others, the keli represents a certain structure. And that structure, even though it's a keli for the oir, has a certain tzir, a certain form that it expresses, whether it's shem kale or shem alikim, or shem shendalid yud, or shem tzvokos, or shem alef he yud ke, eke. By Tiferes, we say not only the Oyd is Havaya, the Keli is Havaya, and this is what we explained by Riches on, uh, on Friday the definition of beauty, the definition of splendor, the idea of synthesis, the idea of beauty being the bittel of the Chaimer to the Tsura, and the deepest form of bittel ha Chaimer al is when the Chaimer recognizes and yields not only to spirituality, but to spirituality that is undefined. There is a ruchni is that is defined, but real bittul real the real tiferes is the deeper the tsura comes out, the more beauty. And when the real tsura comes out, meaning the source, the undefined infinity, that's what really creates beauty, and that's what all synthesis is ultimately rooted in. All synthesis and integration and and unification of distinct forces into a harmonious whole is ultimately rooted in a certain form of a manifestation of an undefined reality that is manifested in a world of fragmentation by creating space for the other. So even if it's not consciously accessed or experienced that way, in the eyes of the beholder there's a beauty, and the beauty is a sense of a resonance of a world of oneness that is emerging in a world of fragmentation. That, I think, in a few sentences... Is a summation, and this was the Pchin of Yaakov, who accesses Akudim, Nekudim, and Brudim, and that's why only in the world of Brudim is there something of the Ein Saif that Nekudim does not have. Zacher Nekeva Baram Vayivarech Oisim. The Brach of Adam and Chava is when the Zacher comes together with the Nekeva, and that's why you have to have the minion of ten Jews, which represent the ten spheres, to say Adavr Shapikdusha. You can have nine Jews, and it's a great community, but you don't have that magic or that uh, transcendent uh, higher energy that comes in when there is that <coughs> and this is always representative of the Shem Yudke Vavke which is the name that transcends particularity and that's the world of Achdos, Hashem is by, defined by Echad, there's always Echad there so he continues he says V'hinei Nikras Torahs Havaya Torah is always called Torah Hashem, the Torah of uh, of Hashem, but it's called Torah Havaya Torah, which is Yudke Vavke. Because this is not an incidental part of Torah. This is essential to Torah. The Pasuk says in Mishle, we say it always when we lift up the Torah, we continue, all of her pathways 
Nesivos means pathways. All of her pathways are pathways of peace. So therefore, Torah is called Torah's Havaya, because whenever there's a manifestation of Yudke Vavke, which represents the ten lights bound up in one vessel, in other words, a sense of egolessness in the spheres, where they all experience themselves as a conduit for the Ein Saif, and therefore what's felt is not the individual sense of self, but rather the higher sense of infinity that comes through it, so whenever there's that gilu of Yudke Vavke, it automatically translates itself into the concept of Echad. And that's why you have Yudke Vavke is Hashem Echad, and Torah is called Torah's Havaya. So in Torah, this is a major component, that V'chol Nesiv Shalom, that Torah is ultimately about harmony, about peace. I can't resist a joke. Somebody once asked somebody if there's any humor in Davenik. If there's, uh, you know, do we ever make jokes in davening? He says, of course, Talmidei Chachamim Marbim Shalom Ba'olam. Talmidei Chachamim increase peace in the world. Somebody said, why Talmidei Chachamim Marbim Shalom Ba'olam? Because they create so many machlaikas, and so of course they have to be Marbim Shalom Ba'olam. But that's on a humorous level, or on a cynical level. On a more a sincere level, the nekuda of a Talmud Chachem is to be Marbim Shalom Ba'olam. That's the essence of a Talmud Chachem. The essence of a Talmud Chacham, as the Balatanya says elsewhere, he's not ever called a Chacham, he's called a Talmud Chacham. The moment you're a Chacham, you're not Mar B'Shalom Ba'olam anymore. As long as you remain a Talmud Chacham, you remain a student of Chachma, you remain a student of wisdom, you don't become one. When you become a Chacham, then you, then you become a dangerous person. When you're a Talmud Chacham, when you're a student of wisdom, you always recognize the infinity, your horizons are much broader than your ego. Then uh, you could be Marbu Shalom Ba'ilam, but if your ego is broader than your horizons, then it's usually <laughs> problematic. The horizons always have to be bigger than the ego, not the ego larger than the horizons. You have to be able to see a bigger picture. So, Torah is Vachalnesi Vaiseha Shalom. This is what the Pasuk says. A Pasuk in Yeshaya Perik Chavzayim. Oi Yachzik Bemauzi Yasa Shalom Li. So the Gemara says on this. In Sanhedrin, that Kala Oisik Betoira is Mesim Shalom, Be Pamalia Shalmaila, or Be Pamalia Shalmata. A Jew who learns Torah, he creates peace in the heavenly yeshiva, in the heavenly entourage, and in the earthly entourage. At first glance, it's a strange Maimah Chazal. Through Torah, Torah is Mois, Ois, you create Yasa Shalom Li, you create Shalom in heaven and in earth. What does this mean? So he says, What's the achdus you have to create in Pamalia Shalmaila? Where do you have to? Was, there's, there's a fighting in heaven too? He says, Yeah. Because the moment you graduate from Akudim into Nakudim, the spheres become distinct. Torah is the vision that integrates the spheres. It integrates the Hecholas, the Echambrish, the Chambers. And this is what allows the Ein Soif to be accessed. So that's why Torah is Mesim Shalom, not only the Pamalia Shalmata, but also the Pamalia Shalmaila. And this integration, this integration always comes through Bittl. Bittl means when a person does not take their ego so seriously and they can get beyond themselves. In other words, they could see themselves in the context of something larger. This is not about putting down yourself, it's actually about elevating yourself. 
seeing yourself not as so small, but seeing yourself as part of something much larger. When you could see yourself as part of something much larger, that's called bittel, and that's the gift of akudim. In akudim, it's not that the chesed is not potent; it's more potent. It's so potent that it doesn't have to contradict the gvura. Why doesn't it have to contradict the gvura? Because it's so powerful that it recognizes its infinity. And when it recognizes its own infinity, then you're part of that infinity. So my shlemos doesn't come from breaking you. And that's always the key difference. Do you become whole by breaking somebody else? Or do you become whole by making somebody else whole? It's really two different ways of life. Some people, unfortunately, due to their own struggles, maybe unconscious struggles, for them to be whole, they have to break other people. Because they're broken. And when you're broken, you feel broken. How do you feel whole? If everybody else around you is broken, then everybody's broken. So then, then it's wonderful. Life is beautiful. We're all broken together. Huh? Of course. It's in perception. <coughs> talking in people's minds, they become. So uh, th- there's a story about the fourth Chabad Rebbe. His name was the Rebbe Maharash of Shmuel. He had two sons. His oldest son was a Jew named Reb Zalman Aaron. They called him the Raza. And his middle boy, the second boy, became his successor, known as the Rashab. The Rebbe Rashab, Reb Shalom Doiv Ber. As little kids, they were playing in the garden. And the Rashab, who was younger, was taller than his older brother, the Raza, Reb Zalman Aaron. So his older brother takes him and puts him in a ditch. He takes his younger brother and puts him in a hole. There was a hole there, a ditch. A bu- so his father, their father, his father calls him over and asks him why he put his brother in a ditch. So he stayed with little mama's little kids. So he says, because I'm older, I'm supposed to be taller. In reality, he's taller and he's younger. And I really have to restore the world back to its natural equilibrium. <laughs> Probably didn't use that word, equilibrium. So therefore, I put him in the ditch. That way he became uh, shorter than me, and everything straightened out. So his father looked at him, talked about how to educate a child. And he said, good, but the next time you want to feel taller, instead of putting your brother in a ditch, you should climb onto a mountain. In life, people need to feel tall. Everybody wants to feel tall. So the easy way to, pe- to feel tall is by putting somebody else in a ditch. That's what really all gossip is about. The reason gossip is juicy is because it makes everybody around the table feel tall. If he's a this and he's a that and he's a that, I'm not so bad. <laughs> That's essentially the psychology behind most conversations that belittle people. It puts you in a better light. But the real way to deal with it is you're not feeling so good about yourself, so climb onto a mountain. <laughs> you want to feel taller, climb onto a mountain. So essentially, okay, so this is in a very, uh, on a very basic, maybe sometimes even on a primitive level. But on a deeper level, yeah, in Akudim, the concept of Bittal is you're so much larger than you think you are, so therefore the person becomes part of the Ein Saif, and then... You're also part of the Ein Saif. There's absolutely, not only is there no need to break the other person, but the contrary, the more whole you are, the more whole I am. It's a different paradigm. It's Emotionally, it's a different paradigm when it comes especially to a marriage or a relationship with other people, friends or children, whatever, any type of relationship. So Torah is focused on that Nakuda. So therefore, all Torah is really about this, Kala Oisik, Kala Oisik, 
Vizehu, now here is, comes a line that's uh, a rear line uh, to express oneself this way. Vizehu yisoyed kol ha-tayra. Liyaz bitul hayash If you want to know what's the yisoyed, the fundamental core of all tayra, it's this experience. To be able to align the yesh with the ayin. To be able to align your own yesh with your own ayin, that's yisoyed kol ha when the Mishnah says in Prikayavis that the world stands on three things, in other words, these are the three pillars of the world, if you reflect what is Torah, what is Avodah, what is Milos Chasadim, these are the three modes in which a person elevates and aligns the Yesh with the Ayin. What do we mean here, Yesh and Ayin? Somebody who translated literally could get the exact opposite meaning of what he's trying to say. You could translate, Bitlayesh Layin means you take the something and you obliterate it and you become a nothing. So that means I would look at my child and I would say, Balatanya teaches that the essence of Yiddishkeit is that you should remember that you're nothing. You think you're something. But let me tell you the truth. The truth is, I'm something. You're nothing. That's not Bitlayesh Layin. That's. that's the opposite. Bitla Yeshla Ayin means, they say, Amai said that there was once a Yid, and he learned a lot of Hasidus, and he owed somebody a lot, a lot of money. So the Rav called him in, the guy called him for Dintayra. So he turns to the borrower, he says, what's going on? He says, I don't understand you people. Don't you know the truth that Einoid Movadai? <coughs> Nothing exists. There's no money. I don't exist. He doesn't exist. You don't exist. What do you mean? I owe him money. This arrogance. Of I owe him money is a ridiculous thing. Money doesn't exist. It's all I and it's all Einoid Movan. The words he was using in Yiddish was Alts is garnished. So, so the Rav said, okay, Lomer Nemen they're garnished. My Luflegen of the garnished. And I give it up part garnished. And Svetzain garnished. Everything is nothing until it reaches me. Everything is nothing. But I'm the only, I, I do exist. The Havan of Bitla Yeshla Ayin is much more subtle. Bitla Yeshla Ayin means you lift up the Yesh. You don't obliterate the Yesh. In other words, Bitla Yeshla Ayin means that you understand that you shouldn't worship the superficiality of the Yesh. You should align the concrete Yeshes with its divine energy of Ayin. Akudim, the spheres are called Ayin, not because they don't exist but because their ego doesn't exist. They exist as an expression of the infinite. Their uptight is not chesed and gvura, their uptight is ain't soif. So do they exist or they don't exist? On one level, they don't exist at all. On another level, they exist in a much more powerful way than in the kudim. Why do they exist in a more powerful way? Because they're all an expression of the ain't soif. They exist in the most potent way. That's what bitl hayash lion means. Bitl hayash lion means that you lift up, you align your sense of yesh, with your own ayin, with your own source, where the ego becomes nothing in the presence of infinity that pervades it. So this is Yesoid Kol HaTayrakul. That means, if I'm teaching Torah, any blad Gemara, Torah is all Torah, a Pasuk Chumash, a Perik Mishnayis, a Simen in Tur, a Perik in Rambam, or whatever I'm learning, a Pnei Yeshua, a Rebbe And there's no experience of connecting the fragmented psyche with the oneness of the cosmos, 
ultimately I'm depriving myself or others from what Torah is. The Yisait Kala Torah, the underlying Yisait means, you don't see the Yisait. Nobody goes into a house and say, oh, let me show you the foundations of the house. <laughs> you show people your counters, your granite counters, your beautiful pieces of art on the wall, or whatever else you want to show off in your house. You don't say, come, let me take you to the foundations. You put them on a mask, and you go underground, you show the foundation. But we all know that the whole house is dependent on the foundations. And that's why he uses the word, Yisoyit Kolatayr. Yisoyit Kolatayr means it's the underlying core of the whole Torah. It doesn't mean every halacha that I'm learning is going to be about bit layash line, but it's the ultimate underlying foundation under it. And to be able to see in the prat of Torah, that klal, that yisoid, that fundamental core, that it's really about revolutionizing a world of fragmentation, a world of divisiveness, a world of multiplicity, and allowing the synthesis, the unity between the yesh and the ayin, the somethingness and the sense of nothingness in which there's complete oneness. So therefore the individual ego becomes part of something larger and it loses that sense of distinctiveness that is detached from you and therefore always needs to protect itself because it feels frail and uh, flimsy and it has to validate itself and protect itself in order for it to be. The Yisoyed of Torah is that bitl. And all the three elements on which the world stands, Torah, Vedic, Melissa, Sodom, in its own in its own way, represents this truth. And whenever there's this bitl, you always have the Ein Soif that creates his skalalus integration that everything becomes part of a klal from the word klal because you go from the prat back to the klal. Mashaykin in the state of Yesh. Now we come back to the Deir HaFlug. At first glance, nobody knows exactly what they did. What was their sin? The beginning of the parsha is very clear. There was a corrupt universe that wanted to violate and did violate all moral boundaries. As Rashi says, There was absolute theft. There was no respect for other people's properties or spouses. There was complete promiscuity and a breakdown of all moral boundaries in terms of murder, in terms of theft, in terms of uh, intimacy, relationships, complete, complete corruption, a violent world filled with bloodshed, it almost couldn't live. The Mabel essentially writes somewhere else about it. It's not that the world was destroyed. It destroyed itself. The Mabel was just a uh, physical expression of, of the vomiting. The world ultimately destroyed itself. You know, a person fries their brain to the point that there's nothing left. There's nothing left to you, uh, Death is the only, death is the best thing that can happen. It's very tragic, but it's like a point beyond return. Okay, after the Mabel, Hashem created the Keshes, which represents a different Kayach in the world. It's a whole separate discussion what happened as a result that ultimately the core of the world should remain pure, and therefore no corruption could make it unsalvageable. That was the paradigm shift after the Mabel. But the Nekudah of the sin is clear. The end of the Parsha, it's not clear. What did they do? Fakert. They were bent on construction, not destruction. The project of the Dera Flug is one of construction. They say, what do they say? They say, let's come together. Let's build a city. Let's build a tower. Let's make for ourselves a name. Let's make sure we don't get scattered all over the place. And Hashem comes down and says, oh my God. Literally. (laughs) He said, oh myself. 
Oh me, oh my, oh my, or oh me. This is not good. This is not good. This, this is not going to happen. <coughs> so here you see the synthesis of different parts of Torah. If you'll open up a Medrash Tanchumah, <coughs> which is one of the classic Medrashim on Chumash, Parshas Noyach, and you go to the story of Deir HaFlag, it starts with Vayihi Kol Ha'aret Safa Echos Advarim Achadim. The whole world spoke one language and common words. Now, we would look at that as a wonderful thing. Everybody speaks one language. You know about Esperanto? Everybody speaks one language so people could communicate. Isn't that wonderful? And everyone speaks Dvarim Achadim. Common words, uniform words. We're not arguing. So it's such a struggle that Rashi has to be Mechadish. What Dvarim Achadim means? Kenegedi Chidr Shaloylam. What's Pshat? It's a good thing that people speak one language. We could communicate. Dvarim achadim means they agree. Dvarim achadim means unified words. If you'll tell me there's a marriage in this home, the couple speaks one language and they share common words. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> when they speak two languages, and when they don't speak common words, then it doesn't seem very complimentary. Right? Everybody knows Rav Shemshin Rafal Hirsch's commentary on the Ben Sarer Einenu Shemeya. Big koileinu, so the Gemara says in the to Sanhedrin, that the only way a ben could get the penalties discussed in Barshas Kiseitze is if the koil aviv and koil imoy are shava. Father and mother have the same voice. Now, of course, we're still waiting for a couple that shares the same voice, so therefore there's no ben But what's the havon of husband and wife that speak the same voice? So he explains it beautifully, that if there's two distinct voices in the house, she's screaming apples and he's screaming oranges, she says, we're going to sleep. And he says, what's the rush? He says this, she says this. Everything is another machloikas, another argument. You can't blame the Ben Seder Ramayra. There's too much dysfunction in a house to say he's a Ben Seder Ramayra. It's a fragmented home. But Hashem is the one who says, no, this will never happen. In my lifetime, this is not happening. And what does he do? He spreads everybody apart. You're telling me Hashem wants achtos. This is the great project of Achtas that's destroyed. If you take a look at the Medrash Tanchumma, this passage, the Medrash Tanchumma starts like this. What's the din? A house that has all of the bread of Eruv Echatzedes, does that house also have to have an Eruv? That's how it starts off. The story of the Dura of the Medrash. No introduction, nothing else. Beshamay says it does, Basil says it doesn't, Halachik Basilla. Everybody wonders, who's talking about Ariv? Nobody's talking about Ariv. We're talking about Dara Flagger. The manager doesn't even get into one subject, it mentions Ariv, gets into the subject of Ariv. Straight, the question in Ariv. What's the question? We all know the Allah of Ariv Chatseris, which is an apartment building shared by many apartments you can't carry in the apartment building in the hallways. Why? It's a Rishus Ayach. The answer is. Because it's a semi-Rishusarab. Since you have a hundred families all running around in the courtyard, the kids growing up might think you could carry in a real public domain. The same is true a courtyard, a chatzar, that's shared by 50 houses. They all play around in the courtyard, even though it's confined. It's a Rishusayachim minatayra. Chachamim said it should have the status of a public domain. You can't carry from the courtyard into the house, or from the house into the courtyard, or in the courtyard itself, or from one house into another house. Because it has a semi-sense of a public domain because many families share it. What's the exception? What's the, what's the solution? Eruv Chatseris. What's an Eruv Chatseris? 
every house gives a certain piece of bread, piece of bread, say. You put it into one house, so everyone has a meal in your house. Since all 50 families have a meal in your house, it's like we have residents in your house. I can come anytime to have a meal in your house. So therefore, it's like one family. If I own a courtyard and I bring in my, my, my nephews and nieces for Shabbos, it's all much, it's one family. That's the Gedalavet of Chatzayah. So the Medrash on this parsha asks a question, the house where you put the bread, does that house also have to contribute bread? Or am I potter because I'm holding the bread? Or the matzah? So Beishamai says, yeah, Beishelul says, no, Allah Beishelul, I don't have to contribute bread, you bring the bread, you put it into my house. Right, and this is practiced, the only reason you could carry in months is because somebody makes a native chatzedis and gives bread for everybody. Okay, what's the, shy, what's the connection? So now we'll see that the emiss is that it all boils down, this is the very concept of Ediv. This is the very concept of Ediv. The world of Akudim versus the world of Nekudim and the world of Brudim is the world of an Ediv versus the world without an Ediv. The Ediv comes from the word Taruvis, mixture. So here we'll see a fascinating thing, how really the two stories of Noach, the beginning and the end, are not just two separate stories. They're really two stories that represents the tragedy or the possibilities or the challenge of the human condition. The world of the Mabal is a world in which individualism becomes so powerful that it reaches an extreme. I am so busy expressing myself, I don't care about you. Not I care about you, not about your money, not about your family, not about your life. It becomes irrelevant. This is a society that is so individualistic to the point that there's no boundaries. My individualism can be practiced and realized at the expense of everybody else, because I exist. And my needs have to be met, or my desires have to be met. So if I have to steal, I steal. I have to backstab you, I backstab you. I need your spouse, I take your spouse. I need your life, I take your life. It's a world of violence. There's absolute corruption, there's no justice. There's no boundaries, there's no moral compass. This is Nikudim that goes wild. So the Dayaflagis sees this. So what do they say? They say, we got to eliminate this. How do you eliminate it? You create a collective society. You go to the other extreme. No individualism. There's no you anymore. That was the problem. The problem was you and you and you and me. There's no me, there's no you. You have Karl Marx. This is Marx. This is Lenin. This is Trotsky. Some of them are Jews. Marx is Jewish and Trotsky is Jewish. And Lenin comes from Jews. Stalin we don't take credit for. We're not interested. Trotsky was not a psashtikl mohus. Stalin was You understand? They're responding. They, they were deep people. That's why they come right after the marble. They say, who needs this? Who needs this? Now it's interesting, the Nitziv, I told you, I think, the Nitziv in his commentary on Chumash, at the end of Noyach, he says this. He says this in, in political ISIS. He doesn't connect it to the, to the Ruchni's Dika world he's talking about here. But the Nitziv says this, and you have to understand that the Nitziv passed away, I think, 1893, so he was living in the generations when the manifesto of Marx was becoming very, very famous, and millions of Jewish youth were completely leaving Judaism and grasping onto the new messages, and he knew this better than everybody else, because he had a yeshiva, <laughs> the Valajna yeshiva, and he knew what was happening in the Valajna yeshiva very, very well. And there it was a breeding ground for great Goenim and great Talmidei Chachamim who came from Valajna, but also Valajna produced 
some extremely uh, uh, young revolutionary Jews, like all Jewish communities at the time, wherever there was people with an intellectual bent, it was very hard for them to stick to the, to the Blad Gemara or the Shulchan Aruch. And the Velozhny Yeshiva was closed down. So when he writes this commentary, he's not writing it, he doesn't connect it, but he's, he's not writing it in isolation. He's, he, he's, my, 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 my hunch is, when I read it the first time, that he was writing about something that was very relevant, and it was almost prophetic, because in a few decades, the manifesto would become implemented through the Bolshevik Revolution in his country, in the Soviet Union, Valozhin is Belarus. Now we know that 50 million people were killed. Then, it sounds wonderful. Doesn't it sound, when you're, when you're a 19-year-old young man, that there should be no jealousy anymore? No strife, no competition. You don't look at that guy and it's all gone, it's all over. There's no dinners anymore. So save the world from dinners. You don't go to dinners. I have to go to dinners to speak. Imagine save the Jewish world from dinners, from chnifa, from flattery. No, okay, but that's the concept is he felt that all strife in the world came from economic um, inequality. If there's economic equality, there's peace. Of course, the Yisoyed is a mistake because he didn't believe that people have souls. <laughs> Everything is economics. Everything is money. Is Marx right? He may be right, but it's not true. A lot is money, and in some societies... Everything is money, that's true. Or 99.9% is money. Right? <coughs> but uh, that, some people have a little more than money. There's a little more to themselves than money. Somewhere, somewhere hidden, there's episode So when you, even if you create equality in economics, you didn't deal with the core issues. The core issue, money is important, economics is powerful. But he believed there's nothing else. Communism didn't believe in a soul. They never believed in a soul. Russia produced unbelievable scientists, but the soul that communism destroyed. They didn't believe it was a soul. So this is a collective society, and the Nitziv says that's why they wanted a tower. They would have watchmen for anybody to scatter away, not just geographically, but also mentally. Think on your own. Everyone spoke one language and common words. The Nitziv says it's not what they said. It's the fact that nobody could say anything independent. You had to copy what the other person said. Dvarim achadim, like parrots. Anybody know such societies? Everybody repeats exactly what the other person says. North Korea. I'm glad you had to go so far. <laughs> Here is an idealistic man. Okay. Everybody creates their own environment. You surround yourself with the people you want to surround yourself with. So everyone speaks one language. Everyone has common words. Because nobody could chas say anything they're thinking. Because if I tell you what I'm thinking, and it may be opposite of what you're thinking, I'm immediately labeled, I'm the enemy of the state, or whatever, the enemy of the kehillah, or the, the community, and so on and so forth. Is that a good thing or a bad? They said it's the best thing. There'll be no corruption, no violence, no ownership, no I. The state runs the state. And everyone is held in check. And we're just here to create one society. It's a beautiful idea. And yet the power of the story of the Deir HaFraga is that God intervenes <coughs> because whenever you suppress individuality, God says you're doing a crime. 
That's the power of that story. It's an incredible idea. Just like you can't create a society of complete individualism, which just creates a mobble, you can't create a society where you suppress individuality and it's just a cohesive oneness that looks perfect, but underlying it, what you did was you destroyed the core of life because the core of life is not that there's no yesh and we go back to ayin. The yesoit kol kol is bitl hayesh la'ayin. And bitl always means the synthesis, the alignment, the unity between yesh and ayin. That the yesh becomes a reflection of the ayin. So, that's why the Tanchuma wants to explain the story of what's the first thing Tanchuma says. That's the halach of Erev. What's an Erev? An Erev means I have my domain, you have your domain. You got your life, I got my life. I fend for me, you fend for you. You take care of you, I take care of me. That's it. What's the concept of an Erev? An Erev means that we all contribute something and therefore we become united. Taruvas. This Chatzar becomes like one family. I still have my home and you have your home. But we have a shared property and that shared property defines us to the point that we're called integrated. How? Everybody contributes something. But not everybody contributes the same way. That's the Shaila. Does everybody have to contribute the same way? The house where you put the Eid of doesn't have to contribute in the same way. He contributes by being a house. Halacha kebesilu. Halacha kebesilu. So when the, when the, the, the Tanchuma introduces here the halachas of Eid it's not Stam. It's like, let's talk about Eid at the end of Parshas Neich. It's an exciting time to talk about Eid It actually represents the issue. How do you create a cohesive society that is not corrupt, in other words, it's not individualistic to a point of extremism, without suppressing individual creativity. Is that even possible? Is it possible? The Jewish religious community struggles with this constantly. You look at any yeshiva, any shul, any kehil, any beis medrash, different bate midrash, different zals, whatever style it is, this community, that community... This is a very, very profound struggle, and it often has a lot of casualties, in one way or another way. So this is where the Deir HaFlugah comes in. When they said, Nasalonu, shame, the Balatanya Taich says, what's shame? They want shame Havaya. They want Akudim. They don't want all the individual stuff. They want to go back to Akudim. So he's not explaining it so politically. He's explaining it from a much more idealistic, spiritual point of view. But everything is mirrored, you know. The political realities and the spiritual realities are always reflections of each other, even if you have to go through a Hishtalshalos. So he says, Vizel v'nasalonu shame pen nofuts. We don't want to be scattered. We don't want oilam atoyu. We saw what happened to Toyu. We saw what happened to Nikudim. Everybody went their own way and there was a Shvira Sakelim. We don't want the Pirush. Shalai Ratsu Shiyum they didn't want to get the hashpa from a space that's lower in level, from where the externals, external forces get their energy. They always get their energy from the hind part of Shema Lakim. That's why it's called Elikim Acherim. Like we say in Krishna. That's the expression. What does Elikim Acherim mean? Other gods, alien gods. What he teaches Elikim Acherim means, they also come from Elikim, but they come from the Acherayim of Elikim. Different types. Not Elikim Acherim, other gods. That everything comes from Elikim, but some things come from the Panim of Elikim, and some things come from the Acherayim of Elikim. What's the difference? Intimacy or no intimacy? 
If I have an employee who backstabbed me and ripped me off and stole from the company, and we go to court, or we go to a dentator, and I have to pay him a certain amount of money, I have to, we have to make a pshada. So every Friday he comes for the paycheck. He gets his $1,000 every Friday. I don't look him in his face and give it to him and say, thank you for your loyalty. I throw it over my back, or I give it to the secretary, I say, give it to him. I don't want to look at him. This is called when you give something, mebchines achirayim. The expression in Tanya, commander shadi basar kasva. You throw it over your shoulder. I don't want to look at you. I give you everything, but I don't want to look at. In other words, there's no intimate relationship. The difference of chitzonim. Everybody gets their chiyus from Hashem. The question is, can you look God in the eyes? Can you look God in the face? Are you comfortable with yourself to the point that your conscience is clear and therefore you could look at your best friend in the eyes without guilt? To be able to look somebody in the eyes, your conscience have to be, has to be clear. If not, you hide. You go into hiding. There's no direct relationship. Elikim achayda means it also comes from elikim, but the yinikah comes from achirayim. V'nekroyim lekach elikim achayim. They knew this, and they didn't want this type of yinik. Kizel kol ikar milas elamat tikun shulchinus eskalavus. The whole mile of tikun is integration. Lekach nemar gabe yakiv shivim nefesh loshen yachid. If you remember in Parshas Vayigash, it says Yaakov comes down to Mitzrayim, Shivim Nefesh. So Chazal say it should have said Shivim Nefoshes. The answer is in Tikkun, there's no 70 souls. There's 70, but it's one soul because they sense the unity. But here they had a big problem. They knew. They knew in order to have a relationship with Tikkun, you have to have Bittl. Bittl. Tikkun has shame Ma. Ma means you have to be able to ask what. And what means that you have the humility to learn. Vehem loy rotsu They wanted the Maila of Tikkun without the sacrifice of Tikkun. They wanted a life of absolute frivolousness and promiscuity. But nonetheless, they should be able to get to live on the deepest level of energy. So how do you do that? Which drug do you invent to be able not to discipline yourself, not to be able to work on yourself, not to make a dent in your ego, not to challenge yourself, but you still want everything. You want the cake and you want to eat it too. Rebchaim Vital says this was terrestrial. This was a big chachma. You build a tower and you build a city. What's pshat? Ephraim was very united, but it was a unity that was atzavim. It gets on your nerves. It's depressing. It's a unity that's depressing. When they'll become unified, they'll create this, it will seem like a cohesive society where they'll get along. They'll be able to get the greatest toiva in the world. They'll get God without serving God. Why? They were masters of Kabbalah. There's something called Kabbalah Mises, known as the Koyach Hashimush of Shemus El The world is made up of letters. 
we have DNA, and then you have spiritual letters. Imagine you have the <coughs> mechanism to manipulate DNA. They call today, there's a sort of research called stem cell research. Stem cells research, you're dealing with spaces <coughs> that are so deep that if there is success in it, it's mama's <coughs> now in the process of it, the question is, how much will you be able to manipulate human nature? How much could we have authority, and should we have authority, to actually, even on a, even on a more basic level, to, to go in and find out the genes of our fetuses and say, you know what, I don't like this gene. <laughs> I like this. You make a shidduch for your son before birth. You, you create the perfect model that you want. It's a little scary, but this is the discussion these days. The Baltanya claims that they had access. They knew the Shemus al Yoinim that governed the world, and they could use them, they could manipulate them. Bemela, Veyadu Bekayak Shemus Hashemus al Yoinim, Shepchinis, Bepchinis, Iskalalus, Meir, Oir, Elian, Beyoisim. They knew whenever there's integration, you have a much higher Oir. They knew it when the Shemus are together. Akudim is beyond everything. We don't want stam. We want the name. We want to access energy from a place that includes the whole ishtalshulus. In other words, akudim, the general oil. They don't want to reach Akudim through Atzillus, through Brudim. They want to go straight to the core. Because if you do it through Tikkun, then you need Avodah Hashem, then you need Bittl. I don't want Avodah Hashem. I want the high of oneness without the work. So they can't do it through Atzillus, which is a world of Kedusha, and where the other ones only get from Achirayim. They don't want Achirayim, they want the real thing. But they don't want the discipline that Kedusha demands. They don't want the boundaries, the work. So they want to manipulate their lives to be able to become conduits for Akudim. How? Through a system of cohesiveness. This was a psychological and a spiritual form of manipulation. They knew for this you have absolute unity. If there's absolute unity, then almost God will be forced that's where the Ein Saif is. People don't realize the power of unity. By naturally they would scatter. He explains why they did this, because everyone should be together. Complete achdos. The Ebenezer means it physically. In Zoyar, we know it also means spiritually, a unity, a cohesiveness of thought. Comes Hashem and he says, Wow, it's one nation and one language. Everything they plan to do will become successful. So yes, in the beginning, really? Hashem is threatened by their project? You don't want it to happen, don't happen. The pshat is the system of creation they tuned into. They were manipulating an energy that's very real. They understood the secrets of how the spheres are governed, are governing the universes. And if they can access Akudim, they have the Ein Soif in its highest level without a, without a society of Kedusha. 
Pirush Lefisha Be'emes. They were right. Aidei Haskalus Vachibur Nimshechemakam Elyon Beyoser. Through Chibur, you access the highest place. Kamoshekosov Chibur Atzovim Ephraim. Vim Kain Loi Botzimem. Vim Kain Arechas Vesholom Yamshichu Hamayim Ayotzim Beis Hashem Lebeis Hakisei. It's an expression. They're going to take the water that comes out from the base Hashem, the highest house of God, which they access to unity, but it's going to be used in a base Hakiseh, in an impure way. Eishas Hazama, another example. It's basically a form of harlotry, of znus. You, you access a person's intimacy. If they don't give you their intimacy, they don't give it to you. You access their intimacy and you use it for the way you want to use it. Kivan the seder of tikkun is, you need tikkun. Torah is full of halacha. Torah, avodah, it's all halacha. Why? Because it's only through the structures of halacha that in our world you can really access akudim in a real way. The space, the boundaries, the structures. They didn't want the oil. And he says, It's the same issue with Adam. Once he ate from the tree, Hashem says, I'm afraid he's going to eat from the tree of life and live forever. Why? Once you ate from the Eitz Hadas, now if you eat from the tree of life, you're going to be feeding into the Vesakis, you're going to be using the tree of eternal life, and it's going to be feeding toxicity. When you didn't eat from the Eitz Hadas, I want you to have the tree of life. Once you ate from the Eitz now if you have access to the Tree of Life, you will manipulate it. So therefore he can't be in Ganeid. Al-Kain, Hava, Vinivla, Let me confuse their language. The Gemara in Sanhedrin. Pizur l'Rishoyim hanolahem vanolahem. For Rishoyim to be scattered, the world is a better place. Kinus la Tzadikim. What's Tzadikim? Sheyesh bem habitul Hashem Yisbarach. When there's a gathering of Tzadikim, where there's no, it's not about ego, because I want more. It's because I'm ready to realize the need for transcendence. The world becomes a better place. As the mission at the end of Uktsin. Shalom is really the clear machzik bracha, but depends what type of shalom it is. If it's a shalom where we simply want to, it's a manipulative shalom. It's not a shalom that comes from the recognition of the need of transcendence. Then it actually becomes dangerous. Here, hanolahem vanolahem when you scatter. By kinos latzadikim, which is based on bittel den fakert hanolahem vanolahem. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.